and tell people, don't let fear paralyze you. Be an inspiration. And whatever troubles that you've had in your life, turn those around. Because you can be having your worst day, but if you go help somebody, then that just turns your situation around and makes you feel better. That's Christy Cundiff, founder, president, and CEO of Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents. We'll hear Christy's story of how she became Indiana's leading advocate for improving the foster care system on The Hopeful Hoosier, Episode 8. I'm Andy Dix. I believe we each have been given a certain number of strengths, talents, gifts, and for some, maybe even superpowers. When you meet Christy Cundiff, the one thing you'll know for sure is her superpower is being a super foster mom. In fact, I'd call her Indiana's number one super foster mom. As president and CEO of Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents, Christy has been able to unify over 9,000 people in the state of Indiana to advocate for dramatically improving a broken foster care system. I met with Christy in the atrium of the Capitol Center in downtown Indianapolis. To start our conversation, I asked Christy to share a little bit about the mission of Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents. We support and we educate and we advocate on behalf of the foster children in Indiana and the families who are caring for them. And in turn, we believe that we are also supporting the mission of DCS and what they're trying to accomplish to have a better system, a child welfare system for the state of Indiana. We have been a not-for-profit for almost two years and we've been an organized group for about three years. Help us understand what is the challenge in the state of Indiana with the foster system? With the foster system, obviously, there's an overwhelming number of children who are in care, who have been in care for too long. And so that's a huge issue, and I think that contributes to the high number of children in care. We know DCS has suffered their turnover rate. We've got inexperienced and, and new attorneys and new family case managers that it takes a long time to learn the policies and um, the different court filings that needs to happen. And so I think there was some issues with some timelines on when court proceedings needed to happen. And just the fact that the high turnover rate, I think, has really contributed to a lot of the problems that we've had. And I mean, there are um, opioid issues in our state, and so that will also contribute to the number of children in care. And, And let's talk about that real briefly, because that is a growing concern. So talk about how the opioid crisis actually is fueling the need for foster families in the state. When a biological parent is under the influence of opioids and illegal drugs and they're abusing them, they're unable to take care of their children. And so then reports go into DCS, DCS removes the kid. If they can't find an appropriate family, a family member to do a kinship or relative placement, then that's when we have to tap into the foster families. And then I think what we are seeing too is those folks are also having more children and more children because being out of touch with reality while they're exposed to the illegal drugs then there's lack of birth control and lack of responsibility and so we're seeing many biological families just having more children and so we see kiddos coming into care and foster families or relative placements then getting calls saying well we've had another child born you know are you willing to take that child or come and get them from the hospital how big a problem 
is the number of kids in the system versus finding placement for them. How, how many kids are we really talking about? It changes. I mean, there's all kinds of numbers being thrown out there on a daily basis. Kids go home, they come back into the system. Kids are newly coming into the system, so it's hard to place like an exact number on that. But what we're able to do with the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents is we keep a running list of homes that are available, placement openings that are available throughout the state. And so we call that our weekly Wednesday update. But before we did that, we had children spending the night in offices with family case managers. And so we actually have DCS FCMs in our group. FCMs is family case manager. And so they can look at that list and actually go and find homes much easier than getting on the phone and calling random foster families and getting lots of no's versus they see the openings and they can get yeses. What's the typical duration that a child is placed with a foster family here in Indiana? It's hard to put a number on that. We have children who have been in care for 10 years. We have children who have been in care in you know, maybe a year or less. It just kind of depends. Federal policies dictates to us that if a child has been in care 15 months out of 22 months, then DCS needs to file for what we call a TPR or termination of the parental rights and look for a more permanent, stable environment for that child in a home so that they can move them out of the foster care system and give them permanency. And that's where we as a state are failing children the most. Well, typically when you file for parental rights or termination of parental rights at that 15 out of 22 months, and that's either not happening because for whatever reason in the local county offices or it's happening and then they're turning around and filing a dismissal on that motion because they believe that the family can still try to get it together. And so we're not seeing the families getting it together. We see them coming in and out of a child's life multiple times, being gone for months at a time and then when they feel like they're, you know, they're being pressured and that TPR is going to be filed then they'll come back into a child's life, maybe do some visits and then disappear again for a little while. So it's kind of like a yo-yo or boomerang effect. And that's something that we really have to stop. I mean, there needs to be a definite timeline given. And if, if the biological parents cannot get it together, we have got to start giving these children permanency. They can't linger in the system. That's not good for them. Let's talk about what's good for them. In the best case scenario, what's the positive impact for a child that can get some stability through a foster family here in the state? The best case scenario that we as foster parents want is for them to go back home with their biological parent. I train foster parents and I do a lot of consulting work with them. And if somebody comes up to me and, and says, Christy, I want to be a foster parent, my first conversation with them is DCS is not an adoption agency. So if you're looking to adopt a child, we need to find you another avenue to do that. But if you want to help a child and give them stability and make sure that they have food and clothing and shelter and their medical needs are met and their educational needs are met, then yes, we want you to help this child. That's really the main focus. And I, and I teach them, if that child cannot go home with their biological family and you get to adopt them, that's a blessing. Brian and I, my husband and I, we adopted eight special needs children, so we were blessed. And, and we actually had a kiddo that came back to us after eight years due to the death of his grandmother and his family, and we just finished guardianship on him. So what these foster families are putting into the lives of these children is just immeasurable for them, and, and we, need to, we need to support these kids and give them 
all the structure and the stability and the resources they need so they can be successful. What happens if we don't solve this problem? If, if we don't solve these problems, it's a generational effect. So a foster child that comes into care today, more than likely their parents were foster children themselves. And so it's a cycle. So we need to break the cycle. We need to do lots of education with these children as to why they're in the foster care system. And, and I've always told my children and foster kids, you know, that their parents love them. I think every parent loves their child, but sometimes parents make poor choices. And this is one of those reasons. And when, when a parent is unable to care for a child, it's okay for somebody else to step in and make sure that they have food and they have clothing and they have shelter and they're going to school. Foster Pan is literally changing the life, changing the trajectory of the life of a child. Maybe our listener has always thought about becoming a foster parent. What are the qualifications and then the challenges with being a foster parent in Indiana? The qualifications basically have to be 21. You have to have stable income coming into your house. You have to have a stable home environment yourself. You have to have finances to be able to take care of yourself. DCS does meet a lot of the needs of a foster child, some of the needs. But, you know, we want to see a wonderful home that is flourishing. Obviously, you can't have any abuse or neglect against you or any domestic violence on your record, things like that. We come out, we give you a packet, they give you all your information to fill out. You have to have references of people who would think that you would be a good foster family. A physical, you would be background checked at the city and the state or the local level, you know, however your county works. You would get fingerprinted and that would be a federal background check. And it typically takes, we've seen things go as soon as two months. Sometimes it might take a little longer. I know if you go with a licensed placing agency such as the Villages or Foster Care Select or National Youth Advocate, they're going to get you through a little bit quicker just because DCS, again, with some of the turnover rate, it might take a little bit longer with them. But that's not saying that they're not going to be able to take care of you too. Then we get you trained. There's four different trainings. The first training is face-to-face. The second training is online. The third training is face-to-face. And then the last training is for actual adoption training. So it's not a quick process, but if you stay the course, it can become a pretty easy process. Some of the challenges that we see, I mean, children are coming into your home that have not been in a stable home, that they've lived pillar to post with no food, or they haven't been to school, or they haven't had the clothes, or they haven't been immunized, or you know had medical attention that they need. And when they come to your house, just because you've lived a quote-unquote stable and normal environment, that doesn't mean that that's what that child has been used to. So you're going to see some behaviors. You might see some aggressive behaviors at times. You might see some depressive behaviors at times. It's not an easy job but it's probably the most rewarding job you'll ever have. What support exists for a new foster parent? There's support groups throughout the entire state. Obviously, there's the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents, and we have a group. We're about close to 9,000 members now. And so we're very supportive of all foster families who want to reach out to us. And actually, they're not all foster families in our group. We have therapists that are in our group, such as occupational therapists, speech therapists, physical therapists, behavioral therapists, psychiatrists, and everybody is willing to help and support a foster family. We have developed clothing closets throughout the state of Indiana. 
And so many of those closets are ran by foster families. I know in our in the IFAP home closet in Terre Haute, Indiana at Northside Church, we give all the foster kids that come to care new socks, new underwear. They get a blanket from Project Linus. We give them a hygiene kit from Hands of Hope and Adoption and Orphan Care Ministries. They get a new toy. We try to help them as much as possible with whatever they need. New state law recently expanded the age of responsibility to providing services and care by the Indiana Department of Child Services to age 23. DCS is hopeful that by expanding the available resources to young adults, they'll be improving their transition out of foster care and on into higher education or successful independent living. According to the 2018 DCS evaluation, there were 16,407 total Hoosier foster children in Indiana. To put that 16,000 in perspective, imagine the total population of Crawfordsville, Indiana, populated by kids in foster care. About half of those children were placed with relatives and half are in foster families or in group homes. About 120 young adults over 18 were receiving continuing support from DCS. With such an overwhelming and growing need to provide a stable, temporary home life for these kids, I asked Christy what prompted her to think that one mom in Brazil, Indiana, could possibly make a difference. Brian and I, we were foster parents from 2006 to 2010. When we adopted our eight special needs children, Brian told me I couldn't be the old woman that lived in the shoe, that I had to find a way to find homes for kids. So I became an adoption champion for the Indiana Adoption Program. And so that's what I used to do before IFAP, the Indiana Foster Adoptive Parent Group. And one of our children got seriously mentally ill when she was 10 years old. She was born meth positive. She was a fetal alcohol child. She was a shaken baby. Moved through the foster care system seven times within two years, and she was between the ages of three and five when that happened, and that, that caused her a lot of attachment issues. She actually is a twin, and we have her brother, and we have her younger brother as well. And so when she got really, really sick, she was turned down by every facility here in the state of Indiana for help. So we had to go to the Department of Education, get a special education attorney that worked with our school corporation, and we were able to get her in the top treatment facility in Colorado for children with serious mental illness. So she was there for two years, but when I originally had to fly my daughter out there, it was devastating to our entire family and, and devastating to her as well. But I knew on that plane trip home, you know, I just prayed a lot, and, and God said, Christy, you can make a positive impact from Shelby's life. I knew that there were other children in the state of Indiana that needed my help. So I actually started this little Facebook group page on the plane back from Colorado. She was there for two years. She still is really not any better than what she was when she got sick. It's very hard for the medications to control her illness. Sometimes children just suffer such insurmountable traumas that it's hard for them to, to get through. After two years of her being there, we were able to bring her back to Indiana. She's still in a facility. It is very heartbreaking to, to see that your child's being raised in a facility and you're unable to raise them at home with their family. So what would you say the lessons learned of that experience have been for you and your family? You know, it, it's been a rough road. It's not always easy, but when you adopt a child, they're really yours and it's just as if you gave birth to them. When we adopted our little strawberry blonde, freckled face, blue-eyed little girl, 
our love for her was unconditional and it was going to be forever. Little did we know that forever would be down the road of schizophrenia and, and down the road of her not being able to live at home. But when she's able, we go get her and she comes home on home passes. We still see her very often, two and three times a month. We'll go get her and take her out to eat when she's able. And so, you know, these children just need to know that you're there for them. You have to nurture children, nurture the little children to grow big dreams. And, and we don't want them to lose sight of their dreams because of the situation that's happened to them. So you live in Brazil, Indiana, but you're spending a lot of time in Indianapolis lobbying our state legislature because we're in session now. Tell us about that. I have been fortunate enough to have an amazing friend, Senator John Ford, that supported fostering and adoption when I was an adoption champion and doing foster parent recruitment for the Indiana Adoption Program. And I didn't know it for a long time that he actually spent some time in foster care as a child. And he was adopted from foster care. And his wife is an occupational therapist for pediatric children. So he actually, I think, saw the importance of what I was trying to do. And so we have developed a really good friendship. And not just that, but by him seeing the need and by me being able to educate him and support him, he's now kind of taken this as his platform. And so we started last year at the legislative level, we had a foster parent bill of rights. And so we really lobbied hard on that, got that passed so foster parents would have some rights. We're in a totally different situation now, this legislative session, because we've been able to educate and bring delight to all the other senators, the problems with DCS. And we've had to reach out to them actually to give DCS some accountability and to pass legislation to give foster parents a voice. You know, we're, we're taking foster children and putting them in homes with foster parents, but giving foster parents such a little voice in the work that they're doing. So we have over 30 bills this year at the State House that we're very proud of, and we hope that so far in meeting with senators and representatives and talking with the governor and meeting with Director Stigdon, who is the state director of the Department of Child Services. We really believe that we can all work together and create positive outcomes for foster children. And our state's gonna turn this around. I really, I have a strong faith in God that he is going to guide our state where we need to be. Our goal is that Indiana will be the state that will have turned their foster care system, will be a state where people will want to foster the, the children that are needed. So if you could be queen for a day and fix at least three problems that you see are broken with the current foster system, what would they be? The first one would be just to give these kids permanency. We can't have them lingering in care for years. That's just not fair to them. And so one of the bills that we have is bill number 398 and it's offering foster parents an appropriate subsidy to, to care for these children. Right now DCS is not supporting permanency with children and so you will have a foster family that will have had a child in care, termination of rights have happened and under the Title IV-E Families Act say that we can offer a, a foster family some subsidy to help care for that child. And currently, the way federal policy reads is it's supposed to be negotiated under the normal, the ordinary and special needs of a child. And right now we have DCS who are asking for receipts for haircuts 
receipts for church tithing, how much they're spending on food, and then wanting foster parents to divide that out into fast food and, and, and other food. And that's just not right. That's, that's not good. We need to support these families who are willing to give these children a forever home. So that would be my first one. The second one would be to, to give a child the ability to be adopted. So moving these terminations through the court system and allowing them to have a forever family, whether it be with their biological family or an adopted family. And one of the third things is our foster parent court report. Senator Ford has put that through in legislation and that will give foster families a voice when they have the various court proceedings and basically it's a breakdown of how they're doing. Is DCS supporting the foster family? Do they have all of the Medicaid numbers and the birth certificate, the social security numbers, everything that they need to care for that child appropriately. How do they do before and after a visit? How are they doing in school? How are they doing in therapy? All those things so that we can give adequate information to the judge who is making the decisions on what is in the best interest of this child. So your nonprofit that you founded, what do you think are the three biggest benefits to our state that your nonprofit delivers for us? We don't really want to be the watchdogs of the children of Indiana, but I was actually called that last week and I, I took it as a compliment. I never really thought myself as that, but you know, we're watching what's going on in our state. We're we're watching what the Department of Child Services is doing and we are doing our best to hold them accountable. Many times when you get caught up into such a huge system as DCS is, Director Stigden doesn't always know what's going on or her assistant director Todd Meyer doesn't know. And so we're able to meet with them, we're able to send them emails of, hey, this is going on in this particular county, this is going on in Hamilton County, we need to get this fixed. So that's one of the things I feel like that we're doing. And, and we've created a good relationship with Governor Holcomb. And so, you know, he, he promises me that he's going to fix this. When I see him and I talk to him, he tells me he's going to fix this. And I believe that he can and I believe that he will. But I also think that we really have to look at this system in detail as a state. I don't think throwing money at it constantly is going to be the answer. I think that DCS needs to be held accountable and be good stewards of the taxpayer dollars of our state. So, you know, just developing that community partnership with our senators, our representatives, the governor and DCS would be a huge feat that we've been able to accomplish. One of the other things is just supporting the foster families, making sure they have clothes that they need and the new underwear and the new socks and the beds and the baby beds and just being able to advocate for them, being able to answer their questions about things that are going on in the educational system or the judicial system. I think that that has, has really been a huge help for us. And then being able to help DCS find homes for kids so we don't have kids that are sitting in offices waiting for a placement or spending the night in offices. We can help them find some homes. When our conversation with adoption and foster parenting advocate Christy Cundiff continues, Christy's going to share how she overcame the challenges of starting a nonprofit and rapidly growing it to over 9,000 members in just two years. And she'll also share where she finds her hope to continue when it all feels overwhelming. You're listening to the Hopeful Hoosier Podcast, made possible by AD Growth Advisors, an Indianapolis executive advisory firm helping leaders accelerate their growth. Visit us on the web at adgrowthadvisors.com. Walk the Talk Speaker Series presents stories told by passionate speakers on topics that are timely yet timeless. For more information, 
visit walkthetalkseries.com. Our mission is to create an epic shift in how people think. This is Andy Dixon. I know I sound an awful lot like the amazing host of the Hopeful Hoosier podcast, but when I'm not being your host, I'm actually helping leaders accelerate their professional development so they can achieve their success faster than they can do so on their own. I call myself a success acceleration advisor. I get asked by people all the time to describe my ideal client. You know, I tend to work with honorable, creative, idealistic, and influential leaders. They're a unique mix of corporate executives, entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, and nonprofit leaders. They tend to lead mid-sized organizations, somewhere between 10 and 100 people. What they want is to increase their leadership effectiveness so they can rapidly increase performance, get traction for changes, reduce time-consuming interpersonal conflicts, and reduce undesired employee turnover. These leaders learn to convert their employees from mercenaries who are just working for a paycheck to missionaries who believe truly in the organization's mission. We use my individual leadership development program called Inspiring Leadership. These leaders understand that they must grow professionally and personally faster than the demands of their growing organization. Most importantly, they're willing to be coachable. Does that sound like you? If so, give me a call, 317-538-3231. Once again, 317-538-3231. Learn more at adgrowthadvisors.com. Well, hello, everybody. This is Harrison Painter. And Josh Bach. And we are the co-hosts of the Amplify Indie Podcast. The goal of the Amplify Indie Podcast is to truly bring together and amplify those ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We talk about events in the community, and we create opportunity for conversation to talk about possibilities. We're bringing together folks in the cause-driven world, the business world, and the people that we serve and we're building a stronger community. To find out more about us, go to AmplifyIndy.com. Or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. It's a lot of fun. Let's do this. Once again, my name is Harrison Painter. And I'm Josh Bach. Tune into the Amplify Indy podcast. Love Love it. We're continuing our conversation with Christy Cundiff. She's the founder, president, and CEO of Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents. Her nonprofit has grown to over 9,000 members in Indiana. I asked her to share what challenges she's had to overcome in starting such an amazing organization. We still are challenged by funding. Obviously, when when you take on the magnitude of of what we have taken on, that's going to be a really big issue. I've always said that the people who need me the most are the people who can't afford to pay for a service that we offer, and that is the vulnerable children of Indiana. They don't have any money, they're not voters, they can't, they have nothing to give back but to just love and compassion. You know, funding is always a huge issue for all not-for-profits, but unfortunately we're not immune from that ourselves. One of the biggest things is communication. Trying to communicate with 9,000 people on a regular basis provide them information that is coming out through the legislation, provide them changes coming through the Department of Child Services, answering their questions, helping them with their problems, that, that kind of becomes a, a lot. And just putting some structure under our organization. You know, this all started on a plane coming back from Colorado. I gathered some friends and I said, you know, I want to do this. Would you be willing to be on my board? And not of them ever thinking that it was going to be 9,000 members strong. We're continually evolving. We're continually learning. We're continually showing up at the Capitol. 
We're continually meeting with representatives and senators. We also have been contacted by outside organizations outside of the state of Indiana. And so we're really excited about the partnerships that we are really creating all across the United States, but more or less educating folks on how important it is to be a foster parent to a child that's in need of services. So being a foster mom and adoptive mom, that in itself with special needs people can be a full-time job. How do you keep from feeling overwhelmed? It does get overwhelming at times. It really does. We still have five children left at home. We have an 18-year-old daughter, a 17-year-old son, a 16-year-old son, a 14-year-old son, and a 13-year-old son. My children are older at this point, but yes, they still have needs that you know I try to meet. I can work during the daytime while they're at school and then rush home to get them off the bus and to get them what they need. It does get overwhelming. I think sometimes I do this 24-7, and sometimes my eyelids may close, but that doesn't mean that I'm not thinking about what's going on. But I just pray a lot. I actually have a really good pastor that I think prays for me quite a bit, too. I have the, the support of Northside Community United Methodist Church in Terre Haute, Indiana, where we have our clothing closet. I just have a really good husband that supports what I do. What does success mean to you with your organization? And then second of all, what do you hope the future looks like based on that success? Success for me is that a child feels loved, that a child that is going through one of the worst times in their childhood that has to come into foster care will know that they're loved and know that they're supported in a roundabout way then that foster parents will know that they're loved and they're supported and they're appreciated by what they're doing. I think that sometimes foster parents don't get how much they're appreciated and how much the role of a foster parent is. We recently had a child that came back to us. We had had him for two years when he was six years old and he stayed with us till he was eight and he went back home with grandma. He had not been abused or neglected, but grandma just needed some extra help. He was had cerebral palsy and he was autistic. So he went back home and I received a call just this past November that our little eight-year-old boy that went home is now 16 and had came back into foster care due to the death of his grandmother. We were able to open our heart yet again in our home to our son that we just got guardianship over and he really was able to educate me on some things when he came back into our lives. He had questions. Do we still do Friday night pizza nights? Do we still do Taco Tuesdays? Do we still go to the beach? And remember when my daughter buried him in the sand and he fell asleep? Remember when you took me to Pizza Hut and let me wear my Halloween outfit after we went to this school fall festival? Those are the things that made me really open up to realize that the little things that we take for granted are big things in a child's life. When he had nobody and DCS went to him and said, is there anybody that you know of that would help you? He had been in an emergency shelter for five months and he said, can you call my foster mom and my foster dad, Brian and Christy Cundiff, and see if they'll come and get me. And so when we got that call, it wasn't a matter of if we'll go get him, it was a matter of when can we get him. That's success. I mean, that even eight years after he had been in our home, for me, that's success. When our state realizes that foster children deserve 110% of our time and 110% of our attention and 110% of our support, then that will be success for me. 
when we can give a child permanency, again, whether it be back home with their biological family or in their forever home with their adoptive family. If someone is staying with us to this point and they say, wow, I, I really think your organization is doing great things. First of all, how can they learn more? What's the website? Our website is fosteranadoptiveparents.org. It's foster and then the and is spelled out, fosteranadoptiveparents.org. And then my email address is christy at fosteranadoptiveparents.org. So they can go to our website, find out more information. We also have a Facebook group page that's Indiana Foster and Adoptive Parents. We have a public page and then a closed group page. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. They can find me on LinkedIn and under Christy Cundiff. And if they want more information about being a foster family, then I can direct them in the right direction to where they need to go. What if they're not at a point in life where they can be foster parents, but they want to support the effort that you're doing? What could somebody do that would be most helpful for you at this point? The easiest and cheapest thing they can do is pray for us and pray for a child because we're in this for the long haul. Unfortunately, there's always going to be a child welfare system. There's always going to be children that will need prayer and, and need the support that they need. We accept gently used clothes at our foster parent closet in Terre Haute, Indiana. We need, are in always desperate need of new socks and new underwear. Obviously, we can always use financial help. And we are a not-for-profit 5013C, so we can provide a receipt for your donation for your tax deductions. We, we can always use beds, twin beds, baby beds, any baby equipment that you have. And, and we actually will move all those things all around the state. So because we have that big Facebook group page, we can post on there. And, and we have parents that will say, I need this or I need that. And so we're able to help them. As a tax-paying citizen of the state of Indiana, be aware of what's going on in our state. Ask questions. Contact your local senator. Contact your local representative. Go to your local DCS office and say, I'm here. How can I help? What can I do? It might be just as simple as taking some books to the local DCS office and having them distribute those to children. I know in, in, at Northside Church, they have opened their hearts, they've opened their doors to foster children, to let them know that they are there to support them and love them. So it might be, just be aware, educate yourself, get involved in a child's life. What role does faith play in keeping you going through this journey that you're on? I could not do this without my faith. God has led me to take care of this problem in the state of Indiana and to be a voice for foster children and foster families. I start my day every day with James 1.27. We are to care. I mean, it's, it's biblical. God tells us, and James tells us, that we are to care for the orphans and the widows and keep ourselves unpolluted from the world. What the Indiana foster and adoptive parents are doing is biblical, and I strongly believe that we are where we are today because God had a plan for my daughter's life, God had a plan for my life, and God has a plan for the people in the state of Indiana to care for these children. What about this role do you think brings out the best of who you are? I think that th this role has been really good for me. I'm not afraid to say what needs to happen. I'm not here to point fingers at anybody. I'm here to create a partnership we know that DCS can't do this by themselves. We know that the governor can't do this by themselves. 
but we also know that as foster parents, we have to stand up for the children in our state. One of my favorite quotes is by President Harry Truman. He said in one of his speeches, I never did give them hell, I only told them the truth and they thought it was hell. While I like that quote, I'm not really here to cause DCS problems, I'm here to help them fix some of the problems or give them input into the problems. And I have a huge admiration for Governor Holcomb and what he's trying to do and, and we're only here to help. What do you think the most important point for someone to take away from our conversation is? I would hope that there would be no person that I would ever meet in my life that would intentionally want to hurt a child. I know that there are many listeners out there that love children, that have their grandchildren or have their own children. And it's very hard for me as I'm a grandparent. I have three beautiful grandchildren. And when I hear of a report that a two-year-old child has been abused, I can look into the eyes of my own grandson and I can think, how could anybody hurt this child? But just to hold the folks in our state accountable on the care that when a child comes into the Department of Child Services, what is going on? Is this child getting the best possible help that they can get? Are they lingering in care for years and years and years? You know, when you and I are over with our conversation today, we're both going to go home and we know where we're going to go. We know that there's food in the refrigerator. We know that we'll have clean clothes to wear tomorrow. Just think of the children in our state that doesn't know that that's going to happen. And that's sad to me. What advice would you give to someone who's listening now who maybe it's not adoptive parenting or foster parenting, but they've got some other problem that they see and they're hoping somebody will solve it. What challenge would you issue to them to do their part? to make a difference. I've always lived by the motto, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And not that I am Indiana foster and adoptive families because I'm not. I am one person, one teeny tiny voice in a group of 9,000 people. But if I were on the airplane ride home and I just chose to go home and, and do nothing, what I knew there were other children like my daughter that needed help. And I knew that I could reach out to people. And so separated, we're broken. But together, we can gain strength. With the Indiana Foster and Adoptive Families, we have gained strength together by supporting one another. We're voters. You know, we're 9,000 votes in one single group. And many people, I know in this last election, the pollsters put us at a good for about 40,000 votes in the state of Indiana. And that's a lot of votes that the governor needs to look at, that the representatives and the senators need to look at. My question to them is, are you doing the very best that you can to see that our children are taken care of? And do you want this job that you're in? So sometimes God creates opportunities that maybe we don't want to be involved in, but he calls us into action. There's nothing more sacred, I think, to God than what children are. And it's biblical that we take care of children. You know, everybody has a purpose. Look at the purpose in your life that you have. I mean, if it's not foster children, it could be taking care of um, the stray animals. I mean, I have a lot of friends that do that. 
It could be being an advocate for elderly folks. I used to love to sit with folks who have Alzheimer's. I've taken care of several of my friends, older parents, and I have enjoyed doing that with them. It could be just anything that you feel like at the Crisis Pregnancy Center. You could be a CASA. A lot of people will say, I can't, I can't have children in my home. My home's not big enough, or I can't afford to take care of a child, but you can go be a CASA. A CASA is a court-appointed special advocate and each county throughout the state of Indiana has them. So you can be a voice of a child without having the child live with you. You can be a mentor, and many schools throughout the entire state have mentorships. You can read a book to a child, be a friend to a child. You know, look around your neighborhood and see if the children in your neighborhood have, have everything that they need. You know, there's always something that you can do to help a child or to help anybody. What you send into the lives of others will come back to you tenfold. So what I'm hearing you say is don't be afraid to provide the help that you can provide right. wherever yeah. you find the opportunity. You can't be afraid in life of anything that you try to do. You have to step out on faith and just know that God creates these situations for us to be in and God gives you the voice. It's, it's His voice. My pastor's been doing a sermon at church and it's 60 times in the next month, stay quiet for 60 seconds and just say, Father, I am your voice. Lead me to where you want me to be. I've been doing a lot of that. It's, it's listening to God's voice, whether it be an audible voice or an internal voice, or, or God speaks to you through your friends or through situations. And he'll open all kinds of doors for you if you are just willing to step out on faith. You know, I, I often tell people, don't let fear paralyze you. Be an inspiration, take your life, and whatever diversity you might have had in your life or troubles that you've had in your life and turn those around because you can be having your worst day but if you go help somebody then that just turns your situation around and makes you feel better and that's what makes you a hopeful hoosier thank you special thanks to indiana's number one super foster mom christy cundiff for being our guest perhaps you've heard a call to bring some hope to a child in need of a stable loving home if you'd like some more information or want to contact Christy, I've included a link to the Indiana Foster Adoptive Parents website in the show notes. We always appreciate your positive ratings and comments wherever you download your podcasts. It helps us to spread our hopeful message. Our theme music was composed and performed by author, composer, musician, keynote speaker, and therapist, Indiana's own amazing George Middleton. I'm your hopeful Hoosier host, Andy Dix. Thanks for listening. The Hopeful Hoosier Podcast is a production of AD Growth Advisors Incorporated. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.